Chapter Five of Post Haste. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Post Haste by R. M. Ballantyne. Chapter Five Wreck and Rescue. One evening, Miss Gentle and rotund little Mr. Blurt were seated on two camp stools near the stern, conversing occasionally and gazing in a dreamy frame of mind at the Milky Way over which they appeared to travel. I wonder much, Miss Gentle, said Mr. Blurt, that you were not more afraid during that gale we had just before crossing the line. I was a good deal afraid, though perhaps I did not show it. Your remark she added with an arch glance at her companion induces me to express some surprise that you seem so much afraid afraid echoed mr blurt with a smile why i wasn't afraid eh was i i beg pardon hastily explained miss gentle i don't mean frightened of course perhaps i should have said alarmed or agitated agitated cried mr blurt pulling off his hat and rubbing his bald head he was prematurely bald being only forty though he looked like fifty agitated well miss gentle if you had diamonds he stopped short and looked at his companion with a confused smile diamonds mr blurt said miss gentle slightly surprised what do you mean well hum, hum said the other rubbing his forehead i see no reason why i should make a mystery of it since i have mentioned the thing i may as well say that a man who happens to have a packet of diamonds in the mail-bags worth about twenty thousand pounds may well be excused showing some little agitation lest the ship containing them should go to the bottom i don't quite see that returned miss gentle if the owner is on board and goes to the bottom with his diamonds it does not matter to him does it ah said mr blurt it is the inconsiderateness of youth which prompts that speech miss gentle looked about twenty though she was in reality twenty-seven do you think i have no anxiety for any one but myself suppose i have a wife and family in england who are dependent on these diamonds ah that did not occur to me returned the lady have you any objection to become a confidant asked mr blurt none whatever replied miss gentle laughing well then to let you understand my feelings i shall explain i have a brother a dear little fellow like miss ah excuse me i did not mean dear like myself but little well he is a naturalist he lives in london and is not a very successful naturalist indeed i may say that he is an unfortunate and poor naturalist last year he failed i sent him a small sum of money he failed again i sent him more money being a successful diamond merchant you see i could afford to do so we are both bachelors my brother being much older than i am at last i resolved to send home my whole fortune and return to live with him after winding up my affairs I did so made up my diamonds into a parcel and sent it by mail as being the most secure method 
just after doing this i got a letter informing me of my brother being dangerously ill and begging me to come to england without delay i packed up at once left my partner to wind up the business and so here i am on board the very same steamer that carries my diamonds to england how curious and how interesting said the sympathetic miss gentle whatever more she intended to say was checked by a large party-coloured ball hitting her on the cheek and falling into her lap it was followed up and captured with a shriek by the two little todses and the three little podses at the same moment the gong sounded for tea thus the conversation came to a close the voyage of the trident with the exception of the gale before referred to was prosperous until her arrival in the waters of the northern hemisphere by that time the passengers had crystallized into groups the nobodies and self-forgetting bodies fraternized and became more and more friendly as time went on the uproarious bodies got up concerts and charades the hatred of pods for todds intensified the arrogance of major beak and the good-natured modesty of mr bright increased the noise of dr bassoon made the manner of mr silky quite agreeable by contrast while the pride of lady tower and mr stiff formed a fine deep shade to the neutral tint of miss gentle and the highlight of miss squeaker gradually however feelings began to modify the squalls and breezes that ruffled the human breast on board the trident moderated in exact proportion as that vessel penetrated and experienced the storms of what should have been named the intemperate zone at last they drew near to the shores of old england and then there burst upon them a nor'wester so violent that within the first hour the close-reefed topsails were blown to ribbons and the foretopmast with the jib-boom was carried away of course this was a comparatively small matter in a steamer but when it was afterwards discovered that the vessel had sprung a leak things began to look more serious it's only a trifle miss gentle don't alarm yourself we can put that to rights in a few minutes said major beak with the confident air of a man whose nautical education had begun with noah and continued uninterruptedly down to the present time he's a hooked-nosed humbug miss gentle and knows nothing about it growled the captain water rising rapidly in the hold sir said the carpenter coming aft and touching his cap rig the pumps said the captain and the pumps were rigged what is more to the purpose they were wrought with a will by the crew but in spite of their efforts the water continued to rise it might have done a student of human nature good to have observed the effect of this information on the passengers regarded as a whole the little world became perceptibly paler in the cheeks and strikingly moderate in tone of voice and manner major beak in particular began to talk low and made no reference whatever to nautical matters while mrs pods looked amiably almost affectionately at mrs todd's of course the passengers observed with breathless interest the action of the captain at this crisis that important personage did his best to stop the leak but only succeeded in checking it and it required the constant exertions of the crew night and day at the pumps to reduce the water in the hold even by an inch 
in these circumstances the young men among the passengers readily volunteered their services to assist the crew the gale continued and steadily increased at night the ladies and such of the passengers as were not employed at the pumps retired to the cabin some of those who did not realize the danger of the situation went to bed others sat up in the saloon and consoled each other as best they might morning came but with it came no abatement of the storm water and sky seemed mingled together and were of one uniform tone it was obvious that the men at the pumps were utterly exhausted and worst of all the water was beginning to gain slowly on them the elderly men were now called on to help it became necessary that all should work for their lives miss bluestocking who was muscular as well as masculine rose to the occasion and suggested that the ladies so to speak should man the pumps her suggestion was not acted on at this point mr bright who had been toiling night and day like an inexhaustible giant suggested that music might be called in to aid their flagging powers it was well known that fatigued soldiers on a march are greatly reinvigorated by the band major beak soaking from head to foot with salt water almost blind with fatigue and want of sleep and with the perspiration dropping from the point of his enormous nose plucked up heart to raise himself and assert that that was true he further suggested that colonel blair might play to them on the cornet but colonel blair was incapable by that time of playing even on a penny trumpet dr bassoon was reduced so low as to be obliged to half whisper his incapacity to sing bass and as for the great tenor lieutenant limp a piece of tape was stiffer than his backbone let the ladies sing to us sighed mr fiery who was mere milk and water by that time i'm sure that mrs todd's and mrs pod's would be a united shriek of protest from those ladies checked him or oh, miss true love suggested mr blurt on whose stout person the labor told severely the lady appealed to after a little hesitation began a hymn but the time was found to be too slow while the voice although sweet and true was too weak come let us have one of the christy minstrels cried mr bright in a lively tone i'm certain miss mist can sing one poor miss mist was almost hysterical with fear and prolonged anxiety but she was an obliging creature on being assured that the other ladies would support her she struck up the land of dixie and was joined in the chorus with so much spirit that those who laboured at the pumps felt like giants refreshed explain it how we may there can be no question that lively music has a wonderful power of sustaining the energies of mankind with the return of cheerful sensations there revived in some of them the sense of the ludicrous and it was all that they could do to refrain from laughter as they looked at the forlorn females huddled together wrapped in rugs and cloaks drenched to the skin almost blown from their seats ghastly with watching and fear solemn visaged in the last degree and yet singing pop goes the weasel and similar ditties with all the energy of despair we paint no fanciful picture we describe facts and there is no saying how far the effect of that music might have helped in the saving of the ship had not an event occurred which rendered further efforts unnecessary 
the captain who had either lost his reckoning or his head or both was seen to apply himself too frequently to a case bottle in the cabin and much anxiety began to be felt as to his capacity to manage the vessel owing also to the length of time that thick weather had prevailed no reliable observation had been obtained for several days while the anxiety was at its height there came a sudden and terrible shock which caused the good ship to tremble then for the first time the roar of breakers was heard above the howling of the storm as if to increase the horror of the scene the fog lifted and revealed towering cliffs close ahead of them the transition from a comparatively hopeful state to one of absolute despair was overwhelming the wild waves lifted the great hull of the vessel and let it down on the rocks with another crash sending the masts over the side while the passengers could only shriek in agony and cling to the wreck fortunately in taking the ground the vessels had kept straight so that the forepart formed a comparative shelter from the waves that were fast breaking up the stern in the midst of all this confusion the first mate and mr bright seemed to keep quite cool between them they loaded and fired the bow signal guns several times by which means they brought a few fishermen and coastguard men to the scene of disaster and among these as we have seen were our heroes philip maylands and george aspel on arriving these two found that the rocket apparatus was being set up on the beach phil said aspel in a quick low voice they'll want the lifeboat and the wind carries the sound of their guns in the wrong direction run round lad and give the alarm there's not a moment to lose the boy turned to run without a word of reply but he could not help observing as he turned the compressed lips the expanding nostrils and the blazing eyes of his friend who almost quivered with suppressed excitement for some time george aspel stood beside the men of the coast guard while they set up their apparatus and fired the rocket to offer assistance he knew would only retard them the first rocket was carried to the right of the vessel which was now clearly visible the second went to the other side there was a reef of rocks on that side which lay a few yards farther out from the beach than the wreck over this reef the rocket line fell and got entangled part of the shore end of the apparatus also broke down while the men were quickly repairing it aspel said in a hurried manner i'll clear the rocket line and away he darted like a greyhound hold hard foolish fellow you'll be drowned roared one of the men but aspel heeded him not another minute and he was far away on the ledge of rock jutting out from a high cape the point of which formed the outlying reef above referred to he was soon at the extremity of the ledge beyond which nearly a hundred yards of seething foam heaved between him and the reef in he plunged without a moment's halt going with the rush of the waves through the channel he struck diagonally across and landed on the reef every billow swept over it but not with sufficient force to prevent his struggling towards the rocket line which he eventually reached and cleared wasn't that neatly done cried an enthusiastic young fisherman on the beach but ach what's he up to now a few seconds sufficed to give an answer to this question instead of letting go the line and returning young aspel tied it round his waist 
and ran or waded to the extreme edge of the reef which was nearest to the wreck the vessel lay partly to leeward of him now with not much space between but that space was a very whirlpool of tormented waves aspel gave no moment to thought in his then state of mind he would have jumped down the throat of a cannon next instant he was battling with the billows and soon reached the ship but now his danger was greatest for the curling waves threw him so violently against the side of the wreck that he almost lost consciousness and missed the life-boy which with a rope attached had been thrown to him by the anxious crew a great cry of anxiety arose at this but mr bright had anticipated it and the first mate was ready to aid him leaping into the sea with a rope round his waist mr bright caught aspel as he struggled past the mate's powerful hand held them both fast some of the crew lent a ready hand and in a few seconds george aspel was hauled on board he had quite recovered by that time and replied with a smile to the ringing cheer that greeted him the cheer was echoed again and again by the men on shore major beak attempted to grasp his hand but failed mr blurt feeling an irresistible impulse tried to embrace him but was thrust aside fell and rolled into the lee scuppers scattering the people aside aspel sprung to the bulwarks at the bow and snatching mr stiff's travelling cap from his head held it up as a signal to the men on shore well did the youth know what to do in the circumstances for many a time had he talked it over with the men of the coast guard in former days on receiving an answer signal from the shore he began to haul the rocket line the men in charge had fastened it to a block or pulley with two tails to it a line was rove through this block the instant the block reached his hands aspel sprang with it to the stump of the foremast and looking round cried a Hulender, here you are said mr bright embracing the mast with both arms and stooping for mr bright also knew well what to do george aspel leaped on his shoulders and stood up mr bright then raised himself steadily and thus the former was enabled to tie the block by its two tails to the mast at a height of about eleven feet the line rove through the block was the whip which was to be manipulated by those on shore it was a double and of course an endless line again the signal was given as before and the line began to run very soon a stout hawser or cable was seen coming out to the wreck aspel fastened the end of this to the mast several feet below the pulley a third time the signal was given now then ladies stand by to go ashore and let's have no hesitation it's life or death with us all said the mate in a voice so stern that the crowd of anxious and somewhat surprised females prepared to obey presently a ring-shaped life-buoy with something like a pair of short breeches dangling from it came out from the shore suspended to a block which traversed on the cable and was hauled out by means of the whip a seaman was ordered to get into it mrs todds who stood beside the mate eyeing the process somewhat curiously felt herself firmly but gently seized come mrs todds step into it he'll take care of you no fear never never without my two darlings shrieked mrs todds but mrs todds was tenderly lifted over the side 
and placed in the powerful arms of the sailor her sons instantly set up a howl and rushed towards her but mr bright had anticipated this also and with the aid of a seaman arrested them meanwhile the signal having been given the men on the land pulled in the cradle and mrs todds went shrieking over the hissing billows to the shore a few minutes more and out came the cradle again now then for the two darlings growled the mate they were forcibly put over the side and sent howling to their mother after them went mrs podds who profiting by the experience of her friend made no resistance this however was more than counterbalanced by the struggles of her three treasures who immediately followed but the shades of evening were now falling and it was with an anxious feeling at his heart that the mate surveyed the cluster of human beings who had yet to be saved while each roaring wave that struck the wreck seemed about to break it up suddenly there arose a cry of joy and looking seaward the bright white and blue form of the lifeboat was seen coming in like an angel of light on the crest of the foaming seas we may not stay to describe what followed in detail the lifeboat's anchor was let go to windward of the wreck and the cable paid out until the boat forged under the vessel's lee where it heaved on the boiling foam so violently that it was difficult to prevent it being stove in and still more difficult to get the women and children passed on board soon the lifeboat was full as full as she could hold and many passengers yet remained to be rescued the officer in charge of the mail bags had got them up under the shelter of the companion hatch ready to be put into the boat but human life was of more value than letters ay even than diamonds now then one other lady only room for one roared the mate who stood with pistol in hand near the gangway miss gentle tried to get to the front but lady tower stepped in before her never mind little woman said mr bright encouragingly the rocket apparatus is still at work and the wreck seems hard and fast on the reef you'll get off next trip but i can't bear to think of going by that awful thing said miss gentle shuddering and sheltering herself from the blinding spray under the lee of bright's large and powerful body well then he returned cheerfully the lifeboat will soon return you'll go ashore with the mails mr bright was right about the speedy return of the lifeboat with her gallant crew who seemed to rejoice in danger as if in the presence of a familiar friend but he was wrong about the wreck being hard and fast the rising tide shifted her a little and drove her a few feet farther in when the other women and children were got into the boat mr bright who stood near the mail bags looking anxiously at them left his position for a moment to assist miss gentle to the gangway she had just been safely lowered when a tremendous wave lifted the wreck and hurled it so far over the reef that the fore part of the vessel was submerged in a pool of deep water lying between it and the shore mr bright looked back and saw the hatchway disappearing he made a desperate bound towards it but was met by the rush of the crew who now broke through the discipline that was no longer needed and jumped confusedly into the lifeboat on the sea carrying bright along with them on recovering his feet he saw the ship make a final plunge forward and sink to the bottom 
so that nothing was left above water but part of the two funnels the splendid lifeboat was partly drawn down but not upset she rose again like a cork and in a few seconds freed herself from water through the discharging tubes in her bottom the men struggling in the water were quickly rescued and the boat having finished her noble work made for the shore amid cheers of triumph and joy among all the passengers in that lifeboat there was only one whose visage expressed nothing but unutterable woe why mr bright said miss gentle who clung to one of the thwarts beside him and was struck by his appearance you seem to have broken down all at once what has happened the mail bags groaned mr bright why do you take so deep an interest in the mails asked miss gentle because i happen to be connected with the post office and though i have no charge of them i can't bear to see them lost said mr bright with another groan as he turned his eyes wistfully not to the shore at which all on board were eagerly gazing but towards the wreck of the royal mail steamer trident the top of whose funnels rose black and defiant in the midst of the raging waves. End of chapter 5